Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Uber Neuro, the podcast that seeks to interview amazing people with neurodiversity and to explore uh, the challenges they faced, uh, what happened next, and to look at where they are now. The purpose of that is to give inspiration to anybody with neurodiversity or anybody looking after somebody with neurodiversity um, because there's a lot of people uh, who just think it's their fault and it isn't. And an amazing human being is joining me today to help me spread that message. Hayley Parker, are you there? Yes, yeah. Already. It is Parker, isn't it? I, I didn't it get your answer. Good. <laughs> I suddenly had this sudden fear I'd got your last name wrong. Uh, Hayley, thank you for joining us today. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Where, about, welcome. <laughs> where roughly in the world are you? You're in the UK somewhere, I guess? Yep, I'm in the south of the UK. Uh, I was going to say in glorious sunny Devon, but it is currently tipping it down. So. Right. Um, right the rain has joined us <laughs> and, you're, and you're in devon and of course like there is there are various laws uh you know godwin's law moore's law uh, there must be a law about how long it takes when someone says they're from devon or cornwall before somebody like me says cream or jam um, yes. i wonder I'm i wonder what yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to invent that. We'll have to. I'm I'm coining that now. It's called the Uber Neuro Law. The Uber Neuro yes. Law from this point on is how long it takes someone to ask the question. So Haley, without further ado, cream or jam? <laughs> cream first, jam second. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Well, we we won't we won't argue about it. But I have to totally tell you you're wrong. But but that's not fair. Um, I, I, the one thing I love about that question is uh, I spend lots of time. Yeah, experimenting on both sides trying to work out which one's right and which one's wrong uh, so for those of you that have no idea what we're talking about because you don't live in the uk <laughs> uh, if you eat uh, scones with uh, cream and jam the debate is cream first or jam first if you're from devon clearly it's cream then jam which is yep. which is obviously wrong because if you follow the cornish way it's jam first then cream and everybody out there should go and experiment and see and let uber know which one you prefer um but on to more serious issues, of course. Thank you for joining us today. Um, tell us uh, about the problem you faced, Haley. Tell us a bit about you and the problem you faced. Uh, okay, so a bit about me is um, I am severely dyslexic and dyspraxic. Uh, so I'm not very good at catching balls. And um, I sometimes like to say words backwards. Wow. <laughs> But I was undiagnosed until I was in year 10, which is uh, kind of 14, 15 years old for anyone not in the UK. Um, And part of the reason I wasn't diagnosed until later is because I've grown up riding horses. So my balance um, is probably better than it should be for the severity of my condition. Wow. And uh, I also have a really high reading speed, which always used to mess up all the tests. Um, yes, I can see how that worked. Yes, perseverance rather than I think anything else. Um, so, uh, the challenge I was going to talk about um, was kind of why I do what I do, basically. So, uh, when I was at school, I wanted to be a vet. I wanted to be a vet from probably the age that I knew what that was. Uh, had an entire plan in my head. Uh, I even got into the university I wanted to get to, uh, which is one up in Edinburgh called the Royal Dick University. Don't laugh. That's its actual name. Um, I'm not not laughing, I promise. And uh, I had a offered place there that was conditional, uh, subject to me getting results, and was fully up for going there. And unfortunately, due to 
um, some stress related health issues and various things like that I ended up hospitalized during my A levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't um, deny that I think my dyslexia and dyspraxia played a massive part in that. And then couldn't get my grades basically and had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Um, I did have the ability to go and retake or things like that. But at that point I wasn't in the mental headspace to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, so I probably, well, I went and went to do a business course, uh, at a university I didn't like as that was my second choice and ended up dropping out of that because I didn't like the city basically and felt very uncomfortable there, which was not the city's fault. I have friends who went to that uni who I'm still in touch with. It just didn't suit me. I like green grass and moors and trees, not buses and sirens. Yeah. Um, I then came home, didn't know what to do for sort of six months and then started learning via distance learning for a marketing degree. And that, was kind of, I guess that takes on to the second bit of what happened next. Okay. Tell us. That's amazing so far. So yes. What happened next? Part two. Uh, so I decided to start learning distance learning, which I think is a huge thing for anybody who has any neurodiversities, um, being able to learn in a way that you have complete control of the environment in which you are learning in. So if you want to sit in bed with a duvet and hot water bottle, that is fine. Um, sounds great. And, also having control over how long it takes you to do stuff and you know our lecture notes though there were live recordings there was also um recordings that we could watch back and pause which was really useful for me if you've got an hour's lecture and you're trying to make notes yeah um and that whole process for me was hugely beneficial it allowed me to work at the same time uh, and it allowed me to live in a part of the country that i adore Um, so that was, I studied for my marketing, um, BA Homs. I ended up graduating this summer, uh, with a first class degree. Uh, I am the first person in my family to ever go onto higher education. Um, and I'm hoping to apply for and start my master's next summer. Amazing. Wow. That's amazing. That's genuinely incredible from a position of someone who, obviously experienced incredible struggle to I mean I mean that distance learning is absolutely essential because without it would you be where you are no and I and I most business although I love marketing and I love business as a subject and for me that was the path that um made sense to me I knew I wouldn't be happy being a second class vet I always have I'm very competitive and knew I would need whatever I wanted to do I had to be able to do it to the best ability possible and if I that wasn't going to be veterinary then business was my next choice and there are not many universities that are high quality that provide really good marketing courses that are based somewhere where I would be comfortable from a well-being perspective um And my, the university I did it through, it wasn't um, the university, the open university, the OU, though they are incredible. And I know other people who've done distance learning through them. I yep. actually did it at the University of Essex, which okay. part of what sold it to me was uh, having a physical uni as well. I did like the fact it was like that. Yeah. And my lecturers were from all over the world. I had lecturers from the Copenhagen Institute, which is a pillar of marketing genius. Wow. Uh, all the way through to the south of France or someone in Wales and people at Essex as well. Wow. 
that's incredible. Yeah, it was a really, it was basically getting the best bits of loads of different lecturers and universities and things. And what I particularly loved is that when we went to graduation, at no point did Essex ostracize those of us who'd learned by distance learning. We were welcomed in the same way as all the other students. We were treated in the same way as all the other students. We still got to wear our cap and gowns and we even were in a mixed graduation ceremony with um, with a group who, who had been at the physical university. Wow. So. I, mean, I mean, it sounds like the distance university degree was actually more fun and more, pro- pro- you know, more profound yeah. uh, educationally than, than a regular one. It's funny how neurodiversity kind of <clears throat> forces open new paths, doesn't it? And sometimes those mm. paths are more worthy. Um, I think that people will identify with that, you know. Um, it actually makes things uh, more valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think have it being, having the ability to work at the same time was really useful. Um, yeah. Particularly if you are neurodiverse, uh, going and kind of getting some stripes in the working world. It's useful for everybody, but particularly if you have neurodiversities, whether that's uh, something on the autism spectrum, where actually going and working in a entrance level job where if you happen to not like it or you want to leave or something like that, or you upset someone isn't the end of the world Um, rather than going straight in at your dream job. And then it may be not being what you think it gives you a really good chance to learn what suits you and to also practice some of those employability skills, which can come in so handy that you just don't get at university um, always. So that's, that's been hugely useful as well. Um, I learned quite quickly what I liked and didn't like about different workplaces and we can't all be picky about where we work, but it hopefully gives you a lot more insight into what is best for you. Amazing. Yeah, I think, well, I think you've got to roll with what you've got as well. And, and the universe gave you uh, a set of challenges and the way you rolled into it or leaned into it, as some people would say, mm-hmm. would be that you found the way through. And actually, arguably, you've probably had uh, equal to, if not, a more valuable educational experience as a result. So it's kind of funny how it works out in the end, really. Um, yeah. And and how did you address those challenges? I mean, obviously uh, from the educational side, but you know, how did the world adapt to you, or did you have to adapt to the world? I mean, obviously this was a very formative. You know, you were in year ten, learning yeah. that this was the case. So, so what happened in that context? You know, um, did you? I think. Yeah. Go. On. I think I was. Um, extremely lucky in my education uh despite obviously hitting challenges with learning at uh, particularly a level but certainly as someone who um for for listeners who don't know this i also uh, alongside having my own marketing company i also teach um gcse and uh slightly below children for things like science as a tutor um and I would say the majority of my students are neurodiverse, predominantly the dyslexia ballpark, but also Asperger's or autism or things like that as well. Um, And I, what has become apparent is that I was extremely lucky. My school were, they weren't necessarily the best at diagnosing all the time, but once they did diagnose you, they had a really good support system and the support tutor that, kind of dealt with all the neurodiversity was called Miss McGarry 
and you could literally turn up at her office and she would be having a meeting with the headmaster. And I did turn up at her office once in floods of tears crying and she was having a meeting with the headmaster and she just opened the door, threw the headmaster out and said, you can come back in an hour. Wow, amazing. She actually threw the headmaster out to make yeah. time for a student. Well, that's, that's, so, that's how it should be. I guess it shouldn't be that amazing. But Yeah, and I know that that's not the way that a lot <laughs> of schools work, no. particularly from tutoring. Um, yeah. Uh, you do get a lot of students who say they just, there isn't support. I have one little boy I teach at the moment who's 10 um, and his teacher last year genuinely didn't believe that dyslexia was a thing. Wow. That's, that's uh, we, wild. We shouldn't be at that stage anymore, you know. Yeah, no, that, that's genuinely incredible. I mean, it's not, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a lot you can say to that really, is there? <laughs> no, so... Um, yeah. And he's very intelligent. It's been small little changes just to really make his life easier. He came home from school the other day and I had a session with him and he hasn't really been able to follow a maths lesson for about two years um, because times and divide look very similar to plus and minus if you're dyslexic. And that then snowballed into him just switching off in lessons, basically. Um, and he came home the other day and I'd given him what I call a cheat sheet, which is a little card that uh, says to him in, in, in language that he understands and can, he can relate to, this is what you do if it's times and this is what you do if it's plus, that's what they look like. So it's things like for times, he knows that it's okay, there's five sweets in a bag and I've got um, four bags of sweets and that's how I work out. His mum has a, a little um, shop, so he yep. regularly bags up penny sweets, so it's a great right. way of and he came home and I said oh how was school today and this is a new teacher this year and he turned around and said I put my hand up and answered a question in his maths lesson wow and he was so excited and it was the first time he's done that amazing. in years just amazing I mean yeah. I mean the, the growth is is powerful when you see it and obviously you've seen it for you and now you're able to help others on that journey yeah. which is incredible uh, so where are you today then? I mean, that's, you obviously, you have a marketing degree, you're going for a master's, you're tutoring other children. Um, you've got a marketing agency, I believe. Yes, I own a marketing agency. Yeah, I specialize in a kind of weird industry if you're not rural. So I specialize in um, artisan craft and rural enterprises. Basically what that right. means is if you've got a friend who <clears throat> wants to got a microbrewery they need to talk to me if you have a friend who throws pots in their spare time and wants to leave their corporate job that they're those sort of people I deal with which I equally in that industry have a really high density of neurodiversity yeah um because a lot of people maybe found that working for someone didn't suit them because of their neurodiversity and have gone artisan or self-employed in some way wow um we're not restrictive. I do also have a construction company on the books. So, sure. uh, but that's kind of our, our MO and our target market. And uh, do you think, do you think your neurodiversity, uh, apart from everything else you've covered, because I run a marketing agency as well, and I'm absolutely positive yeah. that I'm an undiagnosed ADHD uh, person. Mm -hmm. And I'm absolutely positive that my neurodiversity uh, brings a positive benefit for my clients because the way my brain thinks is different. Therefore, yeah you know, uh, doing things differently, it just comes naturally to me. Do you think that's the same for you? 
Uh, yeah, massively. When I was employed, um, obviously you have to check a box that says, yes, I have a disability or dyslexia or whatever. And it would almost always get brought up in um, interviews. As, wow. as a, like, not as a discriminatory thing, but it would often come up because particularly around here, um, you're often focusing on working with small businesses and the business owner might not know what it is or they might not know what their kind of requirements are to do to help you basically yeah um so they're trying to be helpful but i would often get it come up and go oh well does that mean you'll just misspell stuff and i always used to turn it on its head and say well no it means i'll think about something a completely different way to you and hopefully therefore can be more creative and one of the things that recently i've started embracing a lot more is um within marketing i know that my skill is the use of language and is i'm more of a what i would call a word marketer rather than say a graphics person i think you tend to fall into two camps if you're marketing you can be the techie graphicy side or you can be sort of the more traditional people-centric marketing yes um, and i'm definitely the psychology people side marketing. yeah that makes sense and i think i'm inevitably in the same camp because you know it's all about people and message and mm -hmm. our ability to behave differently around messages is evident. Um, exactly. and, and I think it's because of neurodiversity, not it's, it's because of it, not despite it, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's actively influenced by that over the years. Um, you know, if you can get my attention, you must be doing your marketing right. Cause I've got the attention span of a gnat. So, yes. so for clients, that's really good. Cause it means, you know, it has to get my attention. <laughs> so if exactly. it could pass, yeah, if it could pass that test, and the same with you, if it could pass your test, it's going to, you know, go far beyond anyone else, isn't it? Yeah. So like one of the things for us is that I've always been quite nervous, despite the fact I write all the copy for which uh, if you're not marketing uh, people, um, that basically means the words. <laughs> I've, copy means words. Graphics means pictures. Um, I've, always done a lot of the writing of the words and I haven't really touted myself out as a copywriter which are the people that write big articles for PR agents and stuff like that um, but recently I've done more and more of that just by request of clients who know me really well and know I can do it yeah. um, and it's really given me the self-confidence to turn around and go actually okay I might need an editor to read over something and just check I haven't done some silly grammatical mistake <laughs> yes but, um, I'm actually quite good and my vocabulary means that I can write very interesting pieces that wouldn't otherwise get seen. I, I had an article the other day that I wrote for a client, which was, um, it was from their perspective. And so I wrote it as I, when I meant them, if you saw what I mean. Yes. Uh, but they, I wrote the whole thing for them. They just gave me some bullet points to start with. And it was for a business magazine. And the article had to be about a challenge they'd overcome rather than selling their product, but also giving them some exposure. And we were talking about the fact they are a uh, introvert and yet they have to do things like trade stands for their business and they find that very difficult. So that was what the article was about. Cool. And I sent it over to the magazine who I know the editor of very well. And uh, she emailed me back and I said, is that all right? And she went back and went, this is the first article for our magazine I've actually read in full in ages. It was genuinely quite interesting. Wow. Amazing. Always a lovely compliment. <laughs> well, and you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, of course, because, you know, if you can make your own content interesting, 
you've got immense chance to make the content of your clients interesting and and the and the converse is true as well isn't it you know mm-hmm. i think most uh there are plenty of marketers uh, if they don't have a neurodiversity uh i almost almost wonder how they do it and they do different things perhaps there are, there yes. are marketers like you were saying there are lots of different types of hats one can wear as a marketer mm-hmm. um and so i guess they would do one of the others yeah, exactly. I, you know, my, my colleague who works alongside me, um, who is an apprentice at the moment is, um, is not neurodiverse and, um, she is very much into the analytics, the tech, the graphics, watching her use things like Illustrator or Photoshop. Mm. It gives me an aneurysm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, and I can use it, but it's just, it, it, gives no interest for me my interest is in the words uh, which makes us a very good tag team but um it you know i wonder whether the reason that she struggles to write the creative words sometimes and that's been her stumbling box as an apprentice is because of her lack of neurodiversity well it could be she you know some people they're just um going to be straight down the line aren't they they're, they're not going to deviate i'm the opposite i i could never color between the lines so there are lots of people who will colour very neatly between the lines. That wasn't me. And yeah. I think that's a skill. Um, and, you know, uh, that makes me way more creative. I know plenty of marketers who are very, very good at the analytical and the uh, detail on the scientific side. That's mm. not me. That's not me at all, you know. Um, and I'm fine with that. You know, it is what it is. We've all yeah, got you have to pick what works for you, don't you? You have to, you know, look at an industry which suits you in the way, in the way that works for you basically and and that's i guess that's the luxury of of if you can work for yourself um or work independently in some way is is being yeah. able to create a job that suits you rather than maybe fit someone else's job yeah um, but by the same token if i was going to give if we're looking at you said earlier about this podcast being about helping teenagers or things like that who've just been diagnosed and i guess one of my big bits of advice for people like that and this goes for anyone neurodiverse or otherwise but particularly if you're neurodiverse is go and put some effort into networking um whether that is something like linkedin online which we use a lot of for our clients and us but it's a great way to showcase how good you are with words or to show your differences so that then by the time you do go and introduce yourself to that potential new employer they already know plenty about you and you're basically just going hopefully to sign on the dotted line yes absolutely um amazing well 20 minutes has flown by uh mm-hmm. I, i've got so much out of that and it's nice to know there are other marketeers like me as well uh, yeah. so uh, as a side benefit and we'll have to chat separately i'm sure um mm-hmm. uh i'm very grateful that you've given us some time and that you've been so open and uh you know willing to share i think uh i think uh it, it's a testament and i'm really pleased that i've launched ruby Nero because it's a testament mm-hmm. to how many of us are going through stuff and actually we are all willing to share because ultimately we all do care about ourselves and everyone around us interacting with us in the best possible way i had a friend recently i had a very awkward set of engagements with someone about five years ago and he recently got back in touch it was very awkward uh, you know very he was quite abrupt and rude and he just got back in touch and said 
I, mate, I've just been diagnosed with Asperger's. I think that explains everything. Completely yeah. explained everything. Because now I didn't look at him and think, wow, you were rude. He has Asperger's. That's just his default setting. That's how he was. And, yeah. and I think the more we understand about each other, the better. You know, it's only going to be a good thing. Um, so thank yeah. you so much for sharing. Uh, stay in touch with Ubernuro. Keep us posted. Anything new and amazing happens, we want to know about it and we want to share. Uh, and and be there on your journey over the next few years. I'm sure it's going to be a cool one um, because especially you're doing both sides. You know, you're not only living your life, but you're tutoring other young kids to get with theirs as well. So you'll have some great insight. I'm sure. Um, good luck with everything. I see, uh, I saw on Facebook, you're speaking at the farm show. I think. Oh yeah. So um, <laughs> exciting. Yeah. So this, this was quite exciting. This week is a small, a small pump up, I guess. Um, I we're doing a big trade show it's the biggest trade show we've ever done under the flame marketing banner which is my company name um it is causing me great pains because it's enormous and it's at the NEC and it's like 30,000 people uh the biggest I've done so far is like 200 people um but I very kindly have been given a place on the panelist as an expert in my field which is not something I necessarily consider myself to be but yeah. um that is hugely exciting, especially being only 23. And um, I've also this morning had a phone call from the show to say that I've been nominated or the company has been nominated for their business services award, which will be chosen on the day. Uh, there are four judges who will come around to our stand and talk to us. Yes. Um, along with, uh, so we're on the short list for that. Uh, so hopefully uh, we might get that award as well. Amazing. Um, and today uh, I have to do a final submission for an award I've been nominated for, which is for a Rising Star Award, uh, which is through Campaign Life, which is one of the biggest industry magazines for the Female Frontiers uh, Awards. So, okay, amazing. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know where nice. all of this has happened. <laughs> well, it's because you're awesome at what you do. So well done. Keep going. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, look. Um, once again, thank you very much to Haley uh, for joining us today. And thank you to all of you that have listened. Um, please do spread the word. Uh, somewhere there is a, a young person who thinks it's all their fault, that the reason they're different, they don't fit, uh, mm -hmm. they can't understand, they, don't, they can't pay attention in class, whatever it is, they think it's on them. And to be honest, it's probably not on them. Uh, they probably don't know uh, the intricacies of their brain yet. And so hopefully this podcast will give them great comfort knowing that it's not just them. So do mm -hmm. share. And... Uh, uh, we'll be uh, back next week with an equally amazing guest. Hayley, once again, thank you so much for being here today. You are more than welcome. Thank you. All right. Excellent. And to everyone else out there, thanks. Have a great week and we will see you next week.